from WXOJLP Northampton, 103.3 FM, your Valley Free Radio Station. Welcome. I'm Warren Odestulette, and this is A Baha'i Perspective. A Baha'i Perspective is a radio program that presents interviews of ordinary people who choose the Baha'i faith as a way of life. If you want information specifically on the Baha'i faith, you're welcome to visit the website www.baha'i.org, that's B-A-H-A-I dot O-R-G, or you can call the toll-free number 1-800-22-UNITE. Today I'm playing a telephone interview from a program called Baha'i Bookshelf, which is produced by the Baha'i radio station WLGI in Hemingway, South Carolina. The interview is conducted by Susan Auday. Here is Susan Auday in her interview with Baha'i author Pamela Broad. In this segment of Baha'i Bookshelf, we're talking about the mysterious and meaningful practice of prayer. Some of us pray in times of despair, some in times of joy and gratitude, or for various needs and wants, and some just don't pray at all. We may wonder whether prayer really works or whether our prayers are even answered. Pamela Broad explores these questions and more in a powerful collection of heartwarming stories in her new book titled The Power of Prayer, Make a Joyful Noise. Pamela, thank you for joining us for Baha'i Bookshelf. This is such a mysterious and fascinating topic and certainly very broad in in all its aspects. What made you want to write this book specifically about this topic of prayer? Well, first I wanted to tell you what a pleasure it is that you've invited me to talk with you. And and I'm talking about one of my favorite topics, which is prayer. Prayer has always played such a vital role in my life. Through prayer, I feel more connected to my spiritual reality and to the love of the Holy Spirit, which gives me strength and courage in the face of trials and difficulties. Prayer has enabled me to overcome various struggles and ordeals with a measure of patience, hope, and fortitude, and even with a sense of empowerment in that through prayer, I don't feel lost and helpless. Prayer gives me direction, purpose, and has enabled me to resolve conflicts and make better and wiser decisions. Perhaps the most important thing of all is that through prayer, I feel closer to God. I feel as if I'm luxuriating in his love Mm. when I'm praying. And through the love of God, I feel closer and more united with the people around me. Bottom line is that prayer makes me feel happy. There is a beautiful prayer from Baha'i Scripture that actually played a very significant role in my writing this book because it was the inspiration that led to writing my first book titled Refreshing Glad in My Spirit, which led to my writing this book. And, and I, the prayer is very short, and I would just like to share it. Oh God, refresh and gladden my spirit, purify my heart, illumine my powers. I lay all my affairs in thy hand. Thou art my guide and my refuge. I will no longer be sorrowful and grieved. I will be a happy and joyful being. Oh God, I will no longer be full of anxiety, nor will I let trouble harass me. 
I will not dwell on the unpleasant things of life. O God, Thou art more friend to me than I am to myself. I dedicate myself to Thee, O Lord. You see, because so many marvelous, wondrous things have happened in my own life, which I believe testify to the power of prayer, I was motivated to seek out other individuals of diverse ethnicities, cultures, and religions who were willing to share their personal inspirational stories that testify to the power of prayer. I threw in quite a lot of my own stories and also shared the perspective of prayer from the sacred writings of the Baha'i faith, as well as verses from other world religions. And Susan, I have to tell you, it was a thrilling and enlightening adventure to compile and write other people's testimonials of amazing and extraordinary happenings and transformations that occurred in their lives, which they testify were the result of prayer and faith. And what has been especially gratifying for me is that many people who have read The Power of Prayer Make a Joyful Noise tell me that the stories in this book have inspired them to incorporate prayer into their daily routine, which they tell me is generating a new sense of hope, motivation, and positive energy into their own lives. Gosh, I think we're already all ready to pick up the book, Pamela. This sounds so wonderful. <laughs> Let me tell people again, we're talking with Pamela Bro, the author of a new book titled The Power of Prayer, Make a Joyful Noise. And it's, a, as she mentioned, a collection of compelling and deeply moving stories from individuals of various backgrounds who've had to deal with a lot of difficult situations and prayer really helped them out. And this book will appeal to anyone interested in the practical application of prayers, meditation, and spirituality. And I want to tell you a little bit more about Pamela. She's a journalist and writer as well as a wife, mother of three sons, very proud grandmother of one, and an advocate for civil and human rights. She wrote the introduction, as she mentioned, to refresh and glad my spirit prayers and meditations from Baha'i Scripture. She's also a singer, composer, playwright, arts educator, and world traveler, having visited more than 25 countries. A longtime advocate for children's education, Pamela received the Durham, North Carolina Human Relations Commission Advocacy Award in 2001 for recognition of her dedication and commitment to civil and human rights advocacy, especially on behalf of people with developmental disabilities. And she and her family live in Durham, North Carolina. Um, Pam, again, welcome to Baha'i Bookshelf. Um, you mentioned, um, you know, that your own struggles were part of the reason that you wrote this book. And, and sometimes people will think, well, maybe her struggles weren't so bad, or maybe she has an easy life. But really, um, you have, you know, had to deal with two sons with developmental disabilities. And uh, how, what, what role did that play in strengthening you as a mother uh, dealing with children with special needs? Well, first, I really feel that I need to say that while struggles in my life have played a significant role in motivating me to pray, I wouldn't say that the struggles were the motivating factor for me to write this book. The joy, the happiness, the transformations that I experienced, the ability to overcome the struggles, and all the amazing, wonderful, extraordinary things that have happened in my life 
in spite of whatever trials have come my way, are the motivating factors that led me to write this book. Because I have no question that those wonderful blessings occurred through the prayers and through the love of and trust in God. Mm -hmm. So again, while struggles in my life certainly motivated me to pray, it was the multitude of blessings occurring in my life that motivated me to write this book. Now, you brought up my sons, and I think they're a wonderful example of my three sons. My two youngest, Alex and Ben, were born with a genetic condition called Fragile X Syndrome, which is the leading hereditary cause of developmental disabilities. They are both mentally challenged, which is the politically correct term for mental retardation. That's what people used to say. And and they function in the moderate range Mm -hmm. of cognitive impairment. But like I always say, okay, so they're cognitively impaired, but they are spiritually gifted. These two boys are so loving so spiritual, so receptive to prayer and to the knowledge of the love of God that they are an affirmation to me every single day of my life as to the spiritual reality of the human soul. And if I may, I would like to read a very short story about my youngest son, Ben, from a chapter in this book because I think that um, actually sharing a story can convey what I'm trying to say best. Okay, good. Thank you. Very recently, my mother passed away, and once again, my children amazed me by bearing witness to their spiritual reality. They loved their grandmother very much, and naturally they were sad when they heard the news of her passing. Our family attended the funeral, and my husband and I were curious as to how the boys would react to being at the service. Coming from out of town to attend the funeral, we were given no warning in advance that the grandchildren who were present would be invited to stand up and say a few words about their grandmother at the gravesite. I almost stopped breathing when Ben's name was called because even today as a teenager, Ben is extremely quiet and shy around groups of people, particularly those who are unfamiliar to him. Generally, Ben speaks only a few words at a time. That's really all he ever does. But when his name was called, he shocked us all. Ben stood up, looking handsome in his black suit, crisp white shirt, and teal silk tie, cleared his throat, throat) lowered his head, and said very reverently, in the manner of a prayer, Grandmother, you are a wonderful woman. I love you, and I miss you. You are happy in heaven with my grandfather. Amen. Ben then quietly took his seat, and many at the funeral, so deeply touched by Ben's sweet, heartfelt little prayer, smiled warmly. There was such genuineness in the words and spirit of Ben's prayer that it was impossible not to recognize that this young person, although debilitated by mental deficiencies, had an understanding of the spiritual kingdom and the eternal soul. He understood that his grandmother still watched over him 
and that she was happy to be with her husband, his grandfather, who had passed away a few years earlier. Ben's comprehension of the afterlife certainly had little to do with his ability for intellectual reasoning. Ben could sense the spiritual truth in his heart. Ben and Alex are able to grasp spiritual concepts because they are endowed, like all human beings, with spiritual cognition. Their spiritual reality is unscathed by their physical disabilities. My husband and I have come to believe that the reason their hearts are so pure and receptive to the knowledge and love of God is because of their impairments. They are protected from the veils of ego, prejudice, and vain imaginings that the rest of us so-called normal people struggle with throughout our lives. Again, there are no words to adequately describe how blessed I feel to be their mother. They are an affirmation to me every day of my life that our spiritual reality is a power that is, and this is a direct quote from Baha'i Scripture, conferred upon man through the breath of the Holy Spirit. It is an eternal reality, an indestructible reality, a reality belonging to the divine supernatural kingdom, a reality whereby the world is illumined, a reality which grants unto men eternal life. Mm. And so, you see, it's, for me, it's a challenge, but it's a blessing. And I feel that I'm able to recognize what a blessing, what a gift my children are through prayer, through prayer and through the love of God. Mm, thank you for sharing that, Pamela. That is a, a just a very beautiful story, and I enjoyed reading it so much when I picked up your book. Thank you. You point out that prayer is basic to all the world's religions, and along with you know belief in God, and there are many different ways to pray or Many people perform rituals, and people might be curious about how Baha'is pray. So could you share a little bit about that with us? Well, in describing the state and nature of prayer, the Baha'i teachings attest, and this is, again, right from the writings, there is nothing sweeter in the world of existence than prayer. The most blessed condition is the condition of prayer and supplication. Prayer is a conversation with God. The greatest attainment or the sweetest state is none other than conversation with God. It creates spirituality, creates mindfulness and celestial feelings, and engenders the susceptibilities of the higher intelligence. From the Baha'i perspective, in its simplest definition, prayer is talking to God in a spirit of love. When one removes the... um, exterior, often ornamental, ritualistic trappings that have long been associated with prayer, its inner reality is revealed as a personal conversation, an intimate connection of the heart with the Holy Spirit of God. I think it's really significant that a common thread that is found in the scriptures of all the world religions is that prayer without love is meaningless. Um, It says in the Bible, 
um, from uh, St. Paul, in a verse from St. Paul. It says, um, If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I am a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. And the Baha'i writings say the same thing. It says, Words without love mean nothing. And in the highest prayer, we pray only for the love of God, not because they because we fear him or hell or hope for bounty or heaven. God created us because he loves us. But only when we love God can we know and reap the joy of his infinite love for us. Baha'i scripture describes prayer as an expression of our love for God that originated in God's eternal love for us and in our creation um, from the writings. It says, Oh, son of man, I love thy creation. Hence I created thee. Wherefore do thou love me, that I may name thy name and fill thy soul with the spirit of life. O son of being, love me that I may love thee. If thou lovest me not, my love can in no wise reach thee. Know this, O servant. Pamela, is this what you mean by inner prayer, or is that... Would that be something different? I'm sorry. About inner Could you prayer. you repeat that? I was wondering if what you're talking about is um, inner prayer, what you refer to as inner prayer, or is, is, would that be something in a different category? No, it's, it is inner prayer because, it, because we're talking about not focusing on the physical trappings of prayer. In other words, an individual can go through all the motions of prayer. A person can go to church. A person could recite a prayer with the congregation and go through all the motions and appear very pious. But if there is no love in the heart for God, if there is no genuine, sincere faith, if there's, if the individual is not turning heart and soul to God and not feeling a connection with the Holy Spirit, then all it is really is the motions of prayer. And as I just read from those passages, it's a noisy gong. It's meaningless. The Baha'i writings tell us that prayer is a means to lighten and cheer our hearts. Prayer gives voice to the soul as an expression of divine reality, whether it is spoken out loud or offered in silent reflection. Prayer is more than uttering words and sounds. It is more than a mere petition. Prayer is speaking to God from the heart with sincerity and feeling. Prayer is about connecting with God, internalizing His love, and reflecting upon His divine attributes. And prayer extends to our actions, and this really is where the inner prayer comes in because the fundamental teachings in all the world's religions is that our actions should reflect our prayers so that our deeds, our very lives, may be purposeful, virtuous, and beneficial to our fellow man. The Baha'i writings indicate that such action is a form of worship in itself, as explained by Baha'u'llah's eldest son, Baha'u'llah, who is the prophet and founder of the Baha'i faith. His eldest son, Abdu Baha, had said, Briefly, all effort and exertion put forth by man from the fullness of his heart is worship if it is prompted by the highest motives and the will to do service to humanity. This is worship. 
to serve mankind and to minister to the needs of the people, service is prayer. So when we pray and our thoughts are of God and aspiring towards heavenly subjects, it is of the essence that we strive to carry out those thoughts through action. So what inner prayer is all about is internalizing the prayer. It's not just that we're going through the motions to Mm -hmm. be pious. And there's a very short, another short story in the book that I would love to read that I feel really illustrates this point. May I read it? Yes, please. Thank you. Um, Okay, this is from, this is from a chapter in the book. There is a short but compelling story about a youth who lived in 19th century Persia, which, of course, is the country known today as Iran. While praying at a public holy place in the town of Karbila, this youth could be heard uttering with great frequency the following verse, Oh God, my God, my beloved, my heart's desire. So rapt was he in his devotions that he seemed utterly oblivious of those around him. Tears rained from his eyes, and from his lips fell words of glorification and praise of such power and beauty as even the noblest passages of our sacred scriptures could not hope to surpass. The words, O God, my God, my beloved, my heart's desire, were uttered with the frequency and ardor that those of the visiting pilgrims who were near enough to hear him instinctively interrupted the course of their devotions and marveled at the evidences of piety and veneration which that youthful countenance evinced. Like him, they were moved to tears, and from him, they learned the lesson of true adoration. The story I just read is is uh, one of many accounts about the founders and early believers of the Baha'i faith that are recorded in a fascinating book called The Dawnbreakers. The book explains that sometime later in the year 1844, that same youth, whose name was Sayyid Ali Muhammad, who had so profoundly touched the hearts of those pilgrims in Karbila, later became known as the Bab, the prophet founder of the Babi faith, and one of the central figures of the, ba- the Baha'i faith. Um, getting back to the book, it says, the eloquent writings of the Bab, which comprise a portion of the Baha'i scripture, include the following counsel. The most acceptable prayer is the one offered with the utmost spirituality and radiance. Its prolongation hath not been and is not beloved by God. The more detached and the purer the prayer, the more acceptable is it in the presence of God. The short but potent prayer offered by the Bob in the public square in Kabila, O God, my God, my beloved, my heart's desire, and the fervent, humble, and loving spirit in which he offered it, exemplify perfectly and concisely the Baha'i approach to prayer. There was not the slightest evidence of pomp, ritualistic clamor, sanctimonious fanfare, or proselytizing in the manner of his devotions. On the other hand, his prayer was not offered casually, nor was it lacking in reverence or spiritual intensity. So there is, um, and that is something that I think um, is 
unique about the Baha'i approach to um, prayer in the Baha'i faith is that Baha'is are given the freedom to pray in ways that are um, that reflect expressions of their own individual creativity. For mm-hmm. instance, if a Baha'i wants to say a prayer standing up or sitting down or with eyes closed or eyes opened, if they want to put the prayer to music and sing it or chant it or um, even dance. This, mm-hmm. is, this is up to the individual. This is completely up to the individual Baha'i. It is incumbent upon Baha'is to pray every morning and every evening. But, um, and there is also an obligatory prayer. Um, in daily life, prayer plays such an extremely important role for Baha'is. And um, the obligatory prayer, which is, there are three obligatory prayers actually in the Baha'i writings. And Baha'is are only, um, there's all, the Baha'is have a duty to say one of the obligatory prayers mm-hmm. a day. And it is up to them to choose which one they want to say. And the primary purpose of such prayers is to draw us into a closer communion with God. The shortest of the three obligatory prayers consists of a single verse, which is recited once between noon and sunset. This simple um, yet profound prayer not only explains the purpose of our creation, but also reminds us of our human frailty and our need to turn to our Creator. And the words are so simple, I bear witness, O my God, that Thou hast created me to know Thee and to worship Thee. I testify at this moment to my powerlessness and to thy might, to my poverty and to thy wealth. There is none other God but thee, the help in peril, the self-subsisting. In that short Mm -hmm. little prayer, it tells us that our true reality is spiritual, that God created us to know him, to worship him. And so in that short little prayer, it not only reminds us of our spiritual reality, not only helps us connect with the truth of our spirituality, but it also helps us understand the purpose for which we were created, which is to know God, to worship God, and to love God. And Pamela, I think a lot of times that, you know, if we're really honest, then when we pray, what we really kind of might want is for God to answer our prayers the way we want them answered. And of course, that leads kind of into how do we know though, whether our prayers are answered? And, and what if they're not answered, maybe, the way we, we would like them? How do, how do we deal with that? Our prayers are affirmatively answered only when they are in accordance with God's will. Now, in the Baha'i writings, we are told that all prayers are answered. All prayers are answered. Hmm. But we don't always get what we want. I mean, I'm sure that if you and I right now started praying for uh, Portia, <laughs> I doubt if we're going to get one. And again, who knows? Um, but I doubt that it would happen. Um, the Baha'i writings are very, very clear that prayers are answered, but we get what is best for the development of our soul. 
and what is best for the development of our soul is not always necessary what we would like in our physical world. Um, it really is impossible for an individual to foretell the exact future and predict what God ordains, of course, but we are more inclined to offer a prayer that is in harmony with the will of God when we combine our knowledge of spiritual principles with common sense. For example, certainly we see a distinction between praying for nutritious food and drink on the table to keep our family fit and healthy, and praying for an opulent table, opulent table of rich fat or sugar-laden food and, and drink merely for the sake of pleasure and decadence. Mm -hmm. The request of the former prayer enables us to be healthy, happy, and productive. Whereas the latter, although briefly pleasurable, is not only a mark of indulgence, but can also lead to hardening of the arteries and other potentially fatal diseases. So it is logical to think that a prayer offered for something that is harmful to the health of our body or soul would be in accordance with the will of God. The Baha'i writings suggest that the true, and this is from the writings, the true worshiper, while praying, should endeavor not so much to ask God to fulfill his wishes and desires, but rather to adjust them and make them conform to the divine will. Only through such an attitude can one derive that feeling of inner peace and contentment with the power of prayer, which the power of prayer, I'm sorry, which the power of prayer alone can confer. Mm -hmm. So it goes back to that motive, especially. And we've been talking with Pamela Broad of a member of the Baha'i Faith from Durham, North Carolina, about her new book, The Power of Prayer, Make a Joyful Noise. And she certainly has been helping us do that in our thoughts and hearts as we have listened to her. Pamela, as we close out this edition of Baha'i Bookshelf, would you offer a prayer, maybe one of your favorites from the Baha'i writings, that would be a prayer about prayer? Oh, I would be very happy to. I give thanks to thee, O oh my God, that thou hast suffered me to remember thee, what else but remembrance of thee can give delight to my soul or gladness to my heart? Communion with thee enables me to dispense with the remembrance of all thy creatures, and my love for thee empowers me to endure the harm which my oppressors inflict upon me. Send therefore unto my loved ones, O my God, what will cheer their hearts and illumine their faces and delight their souls. Thou knowest, O my Lord, that their joy is to behold the exaltation of thy cause and the glorification of thy word. Do thou unveil, therefore, O my God, what will gladden their eyes and ordain for them the good of this world and of the world which is to come. Thou verily, the God of power, of strength, and of bounty. Well, I can't think of a better way that we could ever end a Baha'i bookshelf in this segment. Pamela, I know many spirits have been refreshed and glad and inspired anew to live in that state of prayer that you talk about in your book. Thank you again so much for joining us on Baha'i Bookshelf. Thank you so much. And I would just like to add, if I may, that while it's so wonderful for people to be able to express prayer in their own words, 
there's a very special potency um, when we offer prayer from the Holy Scripture. And, um, and I hope that the audience out there could hear that when I was reading this last prayer from the Baha'i Scripture. I think that comes through so clearly because the words are so powerful and they touch the heart so deeply. Pamela, thank you so much for joining us. I hope you enjoyed that interview with Pamela Broad by Susan Auday from the WLGI radio series Bookshelf. For a copy of this and other interviews, you can go to the website www.abahaiperspective.com. For information specifically on the Baha'i faith, you can go to the website www.baha'i.org, where you can call the toll-free number 1-800-22-UNITE. I hope you'll join me next time on A Baha'i Perspective.
God, refresh and gladden my spirit, purify my heart, illumine my powers, I Oh, Lord. 
of being Love me that I may love thee I may love thee Oh, son of being Love me that I may love thee I may love thee Cause if thou lovest me not My love can in no wise reach thee In no wise reach
frustrations come beating on your door. I know that I'm a prisoner to all my father household dear. I know that I'm a hostage to all his hopes and fears. I just wish I could have told him in the living I'm afraid that's all we've got You say you just don't see it He says it's perfect sense You just can't get agreement In this present tense We all talk a different language Talking in defense
This is WXOJLP Northampton, 103.3 FM, your Valley Free Radio station, streaming at www.valleyfreeradio.org.